Last week, I spoke to two different members of the Joe Biden administration, current members of the Biden administration, and asked them when exactly was Joe Biden going to fulfill any of the campaign promises that he made on issues of justice, mass incarceration, policing. And I know many of you who are listening to this are skeptical of Joe Biden as I am on any of these issues. But what they told me last week was that we would begin to see progress and momentum on this once the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, was sworn in. Well, Merrick Garland was sworn in this week. I believe he was the 86th Attorney General ever sworn in. And we now have a sitting Attorney General. We are 60 days in to the Joe Biden administration, and he talked about fulfilling many of these promises in his first 100 days. So here we are, and I want to talk today about what many of those promises could and should look like. Let me unpack and explain it. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. In a lot of ways, the pandemic has changed how time feels. Um, of course, 2020 was the longest year in the history of all years. Uh, yet, in many ways, now that it's mid-March, the past two months, February and March at least, seem to be flying by. I don't know if that's just me. Maybe it's going slow for you. But Joe Biden has now been in office for just about 60 days. That's not long. And and yet many of us, myself included, I, I put myself right in the middle of, of this circle. Many of us are frustrated because he has done next to nothing. I, no, I don't even know that next to nothing would be, would, would be adequate. He's really done nothing about any issues of justice, policing, mass incarceration, and many just even specific cases of injustice, like the murder of Breonna Taylor and other cases that the Justice Department, he said under his watch, would consider and reopen. And I spoke to Breonna's family and Breonna's attorneys, and they were promised by both Joe Biden and now Vice President Kamala Harris that if they won uh, or when they won, that the Justice Department would take up Brianna's case. And yet here we are. And yet I want us to consider something. 60 days isn't long to be president of the United States. It's also not long to be president of the United States in the midst of this horrible pandemic. And both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have said over and over and over again that not only is the pandemic their number one priority, but it's really their number two, number three, number four, number five. It is, it is their primary priority. Yet we have seen them drop bombs in Syria and of. Uh, you know, we've seen military operations underway 
We have seen them speak out against um, the International Criminal Court investigating Israel. So they make time. Like, they make time for what matters, even when it's not related to the pandemic. But I am willing to say, okay, you didn't yet have an attorney general that was confirmed. And now that Merrick Garland has been confirmed, my expectation is that we would see progress on issues of justice, policing, and mass incarceration. And I don't have high hopes for that. I would even say that I don't have incredibly high hopes for Merrick Garland. (laughs) Merrick Garland is like damn near a Republican himself. And nobody, and you could put nobody in like bold print capital letters, nobody was advocating that Merrick Garland be the attorney general. Like he had no constituency like, Please, we want Merrick Garland. We want Merrick Garland. Nobody was advocating for that. Um, I think in a weird way, Joe Biden saw Merrick Garland appointing him as attorney general as like some payback or favor to President Obama. But you may have heard me talk about this before. When President Obama nominated Merrick Garland to be a Supreme Court justice, In some ways, it was as a political ploy. President Obama nominated Merrick Garland because he was the most conservative person that President Obama was willing to nominate. And it was a dare for Republicans to not even vote for him. In some ways, Obama was making a political point when he nominated Mayor Garland as a Supreme Court justice nominee, he wasn't saying, this is who I want to be on the Supreme Court as much as he was saying, this is the most conservative person I would ever nominate. Now I dare you not to vote for him. And they called Obama's bluff and they literally did not vote for Mary Garland. And the proof is in some ways the vote that Mary Garland got this week. Um, like almost 75 senators voted for Mary Garland because he is very, very conservative. And he is, this is reasonable, a moderate to conservative Democrat. He's not a liberal. He's not a progressive. He is a moderate to conservative Democrat. And that Joe Biden then nominated him as his attorney general is just kind of a nod to the fact that Joe Biden is also a moderate to conservative Democrat himself particularly on issues of of justice, policing, injustice, mass incarceration, uh, racism, these types of issues. And so he then appoints and nominates to the attorney general spot the man that Obama kind of nominated as a dare. So it really, it really was not a favor or an homage to Obama to appoint Merrick Garland. It, um, it is what it is. He is now the attorney general. I have heard multiple people who have known Merrick Garland for a generation say that he is decent. I mean that in terms of his character and his integrity. He is an honest, decent, uh, moral, ethical person. Uh, that he is, uh, he has reliable, 
character, that he is upright, that uh, he believes in fairness, uh, that he believes in principle in equality. Many of his rulings are also moderate to conservative from a Democrat's perspective across the years, uh, particularly on issues of justice and mass incarceration and policing. But I continue in some ways to have to hope against hope. You know, I I use this phrase last Saturday. If you go to the northstar.com, I'm writing now almost daily, but I have a a new column every Saturday about um, how we can radically change this thing that we call the justice system. And, you know, hope against hope means, and I unpack this phrase, it means that even when you don't have proof that something is likely, you're hoping anyway, you're hoping against all odds. And so I'm hoping against all odds that Merrick Garland will be better than he'll probably be, that Joe Biden will be better than he'll probably be. But we can only see, and that's how these things work. What I know now is that we will have to hold Joe Biden's feet to the fire on issues of justice, mass incarceration, and policing. And there are several things that I believe he could begin doing right away. First, during the Trump administration, there were countless horrible, horrible cases of police violence that the Trump administration refused to do anything about, but primarily just because they were the Trump administration the Biden administration can do something about them. In fact, the Biden administration can also do something about the most egregious cases of police brutality that they opened investigations on in the Obama White House, but allowed to time out, including that of Eric Garner, including that of Tamir Rice, um, and and many more, uh, that they committed, the Obama administration committed to doing something about these cases, but they then basically allowed those cases to be open and be passed over to the Trump administration, who of course did nothing about them. And so one of the first things that I, I think I guess I could call low-hanging fruit that the Biden administration could do something about would be these cases that the Obama administration said they were going to act on and didn't, and then the cases that the Trump administration should have acted on but didn't. And, like, going ahead and announcing we are following up on these cases and the review has started. Like, that's that's almost nothing. Uh, Just to at least say we are reopening and reexamining these cases. Like, That's not enough for me. It's not enough for those families. But that's an easy win for the Biden administration to say we committed to working on these cases. Another thing that I hear that they are going to do, we're going to see, is we have demanded that the Biden administration uh, look at a bigger pool of people when they nominate judges. And normally, all they do is nominate prosecutor after prosecutor after prosecutor. We're saying, 
Can you also look at civil rights attorneys? Can you also look at public defenders? Can you also look at people from a wider variety of backgrounds? And I have spoken to multiple people who said that the Biden administration has reached out to them, that they are being vetted for potential judgeship appointments. And um, I'm excited about that. Some really, really great nominees that I think could be on the way. Again, we'll wait and see. But a big thing that has to happen, it's it's one of the biggest powers of the Oval Office. It's something that can happen with without congressional approval. There are two things. First is a new serious set of pattern and practice um, agreements or what they call consent decrees, basically telling police departments, if you don't do A, B, C, D, and E, we will pull all federal funding from your police department. And those pattern and practice lawsuits and consent decrees, they're, they're not a magic bullet. Remember, every solution only fixes the problem a little bit. So there's no, there's no magic solution to all police violence, but everything helps a little. And, and the last thing that we hope that they will do, and this even goes back to Joe Biden's time as vice president, the Obama administration had promised like nearly 15,000 people that they were going to, um, to issue uh, pardons and, and release many people from prison, particularly nonviolent drug offenders and senior citizens and others. And again, we think that the Obama administration, thinking that they were going to be passing their work over to a Hillary Clinton administration, allowed thousands and thousands and thousands of applications to just expire that they said they were going to act on. And like people literally thought they were going to be released from prison by the Obama administration, and they weren't. And as you may know, you know, Donald Trump hardly released anybody from prison, primarily his, his cronies and buddies and friends. And, and we need, we need Joe Biden to not wait until the last week of his first term or anything like that uh, to do this. He could do this now. It's the power of the pen with people who are charged with federal charges. He could release thousands of people who have already filed for clemency and pardons. Uh, But even if Joe Biden, pardons are strong. Clemency is just saying we're releasing you for time served. We're not saying that you are fully exonerated. There are still penalties. I would rather people be pardoned, of course. But even if he issued you know, clemency approvals to the people that the Obama administration previously committed to, it would be real progress. So we're not in a wait and see position. I'm not just going to wait and see what Joe Biden does. Like we're, we're going to push and uh, we're going to push for these families who've been wronged for there to be true, serious federal investigations into their cases. Uh, we're going to, we're going to push for serious methods of accountability with police departments. And we're going to be pushing for serious clemency applications and for civil rights attorneys and public defenders to be appointed as judges, that and much more. But uh, we're going to have to push. 
they will only do what we push them to do. That much I know. Take care, everybody. I hope you have a great, great weekend. And if you have not yet subscribed at thenorthstar.com, please, we're having a big push uh, for new members. We just cracked the top 10 on Substack. Uh, We moved our entire web platform to Substack. And uh, we are now the number nine political website on all of Substack. And we're going to keep pushing to try to climb that list. Anything that you can do to support us, if you love this podcast, if you love the work we do, go to thenorthstar.com and join today. Love you. Appreciate you. Take care, everybody. Break it down. At the end of every episode of The Breakdown, I'd just like to say thank you to all of our donors and supporters at thenorthstar.com. Many of you listen to this podcast on Instagram, on iTunes, and Spotify, and other platforms. And maybe you didn't know that this podcast was completely Black-owned and operated, fully produced by the great team and staff at The North Star. You can become a member today at thenorthstar.com. And if you love this podcast, if you love what I'm talking about, if you love hearing me speak truth to power without pause, without hesitation, just know that the only reason I'm able to do this is because we have thousands of people who give to us every month at thenorthstar.com to make sure that I can't be canceled because we're going to keep doing exactly what we do right here each and every day. If you're not yet a donor or supporter at thenorthstar.com, chip in. We need your help. We need your support. And every single membership matters. Again, you can join today at thenorthstar.com. Thank you to all of our members. And I want to encourage each of you that aren't members yet to come on over there and join us. Go ahead to thenorthstar.com. Take care, everybody. It's the pathway.